We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the True Faith Newcastle United podcast. A better tribute to Steve Bruce Newcastle could not have done <laughs> as Aston Villa met Newcastle United. Newcastle put in a performance that was befitting not of Eddie Howe's high-flying mags, but, but Newcastle United before Eddie Howe, basically, in a dreadful, <laughs> dreadful performance and a deserved 3-0 defeat. It's probably the worst performance under Eddie Howe. I've got Charlotte, Cy, and Johnny Greenwood from Newcastle Fans TV here to talk about it for you today. We're on Patreon. It's between three and eight pounds a month. Come and join us. We're going to get right into this one this week and build up to the massive game next Sunday against Tottenham Hotspur at home. Can't fucking wait, particularly after yesterday's calamity. So you were there, you were at Villa Park in the away and as was Johnny. First of all, mate, how was it for you from that vantage point? I say this every single time, but that is the last time I'm going to Villa Park. <laughs> I hate it. It's a terrible place. It's a terrible area of the country. And we always have a shit day. Um, it wasn't good. It wasn't good at all. It was a, a very frustrating afternoon. Uh, the early kickoff meant that everyone had to set off dead early. You could tell there was tiredness in the crowd. You could tell that we weren't as up for it as we have been in other games, which doesn't help. Aston Villa were buoyant, so their home fans were quite loud. And it's never nice going to an away game where the home fans are actually making noise. It doesn't happen a lot, but it did. I thought the Villa fans were pretty, uh, pretty vocal, and it only got worse because they they started to realise we're gonna we're gonna win here. And I think both teams knew where the game was going quite early on, which, yep, didn't make for didn't make for a great afternoon. And yeah, there's there's lots to to get into with with the referee and, and the way we played and the the contrast of the way they played. But yeah, all in all, a pretty terrible afternoon. It, it certainly was. It was an incredibly disappointing afternoon. I think if we looked in hindsight, hindsight and gone Brentford, West Ham, Aston Villa, six points, yeah, probably all would have gone. Yeah, I'll take that. But there was an opportunity. There was an opportunity to get that extra point or the extra three points, and we just didn't show up. That, let's be honest, we didn't show up, and Aston Villa just wanted it more. And that was probably the most annoying thing out of everything because there was. Let's be honest that even though some people say there isn't that rivalry when there's the Emery and Howe mm. debate, the Villa Newcastle kind of rivalry, if you want to call it that, it was just it was set up for Newcastle to go right. We're here, we're going to show up, and we're going to show why we're in the top three of the Premier League. Unfortunately, from the first 30 seconds, we were absolutely <laughs> dreadful. Charlotte, it was, a, it was a defeat, the fourth defeat of the season, but the manner of the defeat it seems, to, well, it has caught everyone off guard. What do you think happened? How does it make you feel? It, 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 does it matter? As Johnny said, we're still third in the Premier League at the time of recording. Uh, it does. It does matter. 
um, because of the manner of it. Like you say, we've lost to Liverpool twice, um, which, you know, those were not like the, the the home game was mental and the one at Anfield was just ridiculous you sort of think well whatever but yesterday we didn't even show up how do I feel I feel I'm not worried I'm not sitting here thinking oh god that's how we're going to play for the rest of the season Eddie Howe said afterwards that was not the team that we are um that was not the performance that we would expect um and I, and, and that's how I feel I, it was a weird one yesterday because I was watching on the TV in a pub in Biker and, or yeah, pub. And um, I just kept thinking like, they came, like Johnny says, out of the block straight away, really trying to make a statement. And I just kept thinking like, well, it'll be fine because Eddie Howe will make the right decisions and we'll make the right changes. Like at Brentford, I was like, we went behind at Brentford. That's not, it wasn't the end of the world. Villa are a different team. Obviously, they, they, they're they a much more organized side. They're, they're on an upward trajectory at the moment, but it's okay. It'll be fine. And then we just kept going and I was like, oh God, maybe it's not going to be fine. This is a familiar old feeling and I don't like it. <laughs> I think that... First of all, shit happens. Sometimes you, you play a good team, they play well, you don't play, and particularly when you play against a team in such form that Aston Villa are, you, you can get a bad day. But I am a little bit concerned. Now, that doesn't mean I don't think we're still class. It doesn't mean that I think we're not going to finish third or fourth or finish in the Champions League, but it is two week, two weekends in a row now. First half against Brentford, the exact same issues. We, we did a, a patron pod uh, to preview this game as we do every single game. And I talked about the one concern I thought would win the game, but the one concern is that we didn't really have an answer when, when Brentford stretched the game uh, down both flanks. We have a, quite a narrow midfield. We have narrow fullbacks. Um, you know, Kieran Trippier gets up and down and, and, and he can hug the touchline, but but we are a relatively narrow team who, who try to overload in wide areas rather than whip the ball out wide as quickly as possible and get a, a cross whipped in. And against Brentford first half, we didn't have an answer to that. Mm. Or Ivan Tony kind of bullying Fabian Shaw a little bit. And that was a concern because we did fix that second half by controlling the game, by controlling the ball, by controlling where the ball was. Yesterday, I thought Villa would do exactly that. They did do exactly that. And we just had no answer. And it's for the first time this season, we have a defensive weakness. Balls into the box, set pieces, and a big, strong physical centre forward being big and physical with our centre-backs. You know, when when um, Ashley Watkins went through in the first 30 seconds, the, the, uh, obviously he missed, and, and Nick Pope probably deserves a bit of credit for, for closing that angle down, but Sven Botman just could not get him off the ball. Mm. Now, he doesn't want to foul him because he's last man, I understand it, but Sven Botman, big and strong, he's been he's been this revelation of a, as a 22-year-old coming into the Premier League. It's almost a bit like, ah, that's, what, that's actually what Premier League centre-forwards of old would have done to a 22-year-old centre-back. It doesn't mean he's bad, it doesn't mean... Everything is terrible, but it is something to consider moving forward. Harry Kane's playing next week. He's had a lot of success against Newcastle. It's just something for them to work on this week, and that's the positive thing about winning five in a row, about putting yourself in this position that you can, you know, we can, we could even if Spurs had won yesterday, we could have afforded ourselves that slip up, and that's okay. But there are, you know, there are a little couple of concerns that you can only see if they've been put right on the pitch, and I'm sure we will next week. When Newcastle really struggle when teams get the ball in the box and, and, and do it quickly and, and are very direct and, and basically get the ball back to front. And Villa were always going to play like that. That's what they've been like. That's what Brentford are like. Now we've got three points from those two away games. Like one of you said, I think it was you, Johnny. That's a good return, actually. If we're drawn both, people are probably happier than they are with with losing one and winning one, albeit getting battered. Let's return, though, to, to the experience of the day. Johnny, start with you. I mean, you were there 12.30. You know, this kind of 
online discourse tends to follow defeats about like I've just said, well, it doesn't matter because we're third. That the lads, they they deserve a day off. They deserve a bad day. Sometimes I feel, while that, I'm not necessarily disagreeing with that, sometimes it's easier to say that when you're watching it on telly compared to yourself and three thousand others who spent a lot of money, a lot of time to go and see it. Where do you stand on that debate about how, how damaging the defeat is and how it made you feel? I think if this was a Newcastle United under a different manager or a different owner, you would go. They can kind of tolerate it. This Newcastle United slightly different. It's a different team, it's a different club, and we want to try and win every game. I felt like with Eddie Howe, he wants to go out and win games rather than not lose games. I just felt yesterday, and we got away with it against West Ham. We got away with, well, we got away massively with West Ham at the particular start of the game. We have been really poor at starting games at football recently, and it caught up with us against Aston Villa yesterday. Because when they went 1-0 up, and let's be honest, it could have been 3-0 at halftime if it wasn't for the fact of Nick Pope making some great saves and Jacob Ramsey hitting the crossbar. But I take your point about Aston Villa. Because we're such a such a narrow team and they wanted to use the width as much as possible, we just were just were just stuck because there was like four different options for Aston Villa in terms of how they wanted to play. But do, do I want to do I give, I give I kind of it's difficult because I want to give the lads the benefit of the doubt because they've played so well and they've done so well this, this season. However, it was an opportunity and it was a big opportunity missed and. It, 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 I don't know how I don't know how Sai felt, but I I felt coming out of that game going yes we deserve to get beat. I just hope that that chance we hope we get another chance to have that opportunity to take advantage of being the early kickoff or playing before Spurs, Man United, even Villa. Now if we're, if we're kind of classing them in the Champions League race, I, don't, I know some people don't, but that was a massive opportunity to go right. We're so far ahead right now. You've got to do something unbelievable to catch us. Yeah, I, I definitely feel like it was an opportunity lost. I was very frustrated um, at full time yesterday in particular. I, I felt like we just hadn't given a, a good account of ourselves. I feel like I feel like I, I do want to give them the benefit of the doubt. Like you say, I, I, would, I don't want to give them a free pass. I think they, they need a good bollocking for that game. And I, I trust Howe and Tyndall to have done that. I think that you know, they'll be saying, right, that was not good enough. We do not play like that again. Um, but there the were mitigating factors. That is as, is as good as Aston Villa have played. You've mentioned Ollie Watkins' uh, dodds. Like he did, he tormented the whole entire back four from left to right. He just he, just, he was in all of those channels causing problems. Um, the the very unbiased Gabby Agbon Lahore was on the radio on, <laughs> while I was uh, traveling home, and, and he was calling for me in the England team. But actually, on performances <laughs> like that, there's there's a, there's, an, there's an argument for it. Um, it. Not just his physicality, his pace. Like you kind of were reminded that our defense is a little bit slow. Uh, especially at fullback, Burn and Trippier are not quick players, and uh, shares you know average Botman's average. When when we've got a f- physical fa- fast player like that, we did not have an answer. Uh, Jacob Ramsey this as well, but basically just we were overrun and we had no answer to that. And I feel like I feel like we didn't react to it. We didn't do anything differently. I think he, he brought Joe Linton in a bit deeper um, after about thirty minutes. It felt to to try and buoy that midfield, but we just could not deal with that pace. And what was worrying is that it went on for ninety minutes and we never answered that question. That for me was one of the the biggest things. I think uh, the the pace. Uh, Aston Villa looked really, really fit yesterday. Mm. Really fit and and young. I don't know at what age their squad is, but it made Kieran Trippier look old. Yeah, he, he was did. being outrun and outpaced, and that's you know Sven Botman's then kind of trying to cover both of those spots be, and, and and not managing because he's not supposed to when he's against this big center forward who is a big physical presence like you said but for me yeah it was the pace I was just like and and you sort of watch a team like that and you hope that 
because we're so conditioned, because we're such an athletic squad as well, that we'll we'll outrun them and they'll get tired. Aston Villa didn't get tired yesterday. No. They were they were just yeah, that that is that's how you beat this Newcastle United. I think it's it's that um athleticism and, and pace that is really drilled into them. The only thing I would say, you talk about the, the fact that Aston Villa have got such a young team. Arguably one of their best players was the, the oldest player on the pitch, and Ash, Ashley Young, who's 37, who had a fantastic game, who had so many different players to, con- to contend with and had them all in the back pocket. Mm. That was worrying as well. But yeah, it, the energy was brilliant, but Aston Villa just found pockets of space. Mm. How many times did Brendia have the ball on the turn in the second third of, our, second third of the pitch? And you just thought... Again, we're going to have to do. We're going to have to do well not to not not to concede here. But I think that the, the thing that we just struggled with massively was there was inverted wingers. Yeah, they just took themselves in, and, and it was Kate Asenville saying, "Come on, then break us down, break us down." And we just we had a couple of good chances as well, which is I'll give credit to Newcastle for. Isaac had one, well, two really good chances when even when Aston Villa were like that, which just shows the quality that he's got to find pockets of space. But we just could not break Aston Villa properly. Like I think Martin has make two good saves mm. where normally we have how many chances in a game? It it, it just shown how, how good Aston Villa were in a short space of time under Unai Emery, which is really, really irritating. <laughs> mm. We'll get into this a lot more about who played badly and why uh, after these first set of adverts for this podcast. If you don't want to hear the ads, these pods go out advertisement-free completely, including this part of me talking about it being advertising-free <laughs> uh, on our Patreon platform for just £3 a month to get involved back after these. So let's. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Talk about um, specifics from the game yesterday, and in particular, Charlotte, Johnny just mentioned Newcastle struggling against Villa's wingers. One player in particular has has struggled in recent weeks, despite being part of the best defence in the league, despite being part of five wins in a row, and much more than that. Talk to us about Dan Byrne. 
Yeah, I really, really want to be nice about Dan Byrne. We all like the story. We all, you know, he scored in the cup game. He's, he's, and he has been integral to this side, but his lack of mobility again against a pacey team like Aston Villa is, is just exposes us. And yesterday was just not his game. He was losing the ball. He was losing his player. He was, he couldn't, he, he just doesn't do any overlap on that wing. He wasn't moving the ball up the pitch. And, and it looked like it was getting into his head as well. I think he's quite a, an emotional player. And, and you, you could tell he knew this was not his game. He couldn't get into it. We couldn't, as a squad, that back four, I think we can, we'll, you know, the review show on, on Patreon, we'll talk about, um, the defense in more detail i'm sure of it but we just could not get into a rhythm yesterday and it was it was eating away at him um i thought it was the right decision to hook him and and bring on um target but then <laughs> then target w- wasn't really wasn't really very effective and kind of helped cause that third goal but at that point i'm you're sort of like well aston villa could have like four or five more so it's not a big deal but I, it, it it is for me, that left back position is the one of the most important things we have to fix in the summer. He is not our long term solution. He's not even really probably our short term sol- solution. Watching a game like yesterday, and I don't like going in on him, but you, it, it, it was it was not it was not good yesterday. I think what Aston Villa seemed to learn yesterday, uh, because they kept pinging balls in the air towards Dan Byrne, is actually despite being a very tall man, he's not that good in the air. Um, we all know that in an attacking sense, he's not very good at getting a, a finishing header on. But um, I think he won one header against John McGinn, who's like five foot. Um, <laughs> and he was also just getting muscled about by McGinn, who is who's like quite bulky. But yeah, if, if he's not there to, to win aerial balls and to kind of outstrength uh, attacking players, what is he there for? That, that was the main worry from yesterday. And I don't want to spend the whole time talking about Burn, but we, we were, because Trippier had a pretty poor game against... Um, against Ramsey as well and they, they really were having so much joy on both wings but I think um the 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 press for us also wasn't working uh, especially in the first half and Dan Byrne was a little bit a part of that um so there was times when Isaac would go to the center half uh they did they'd, they'd look right Gordon then goes to close down the fullback and then they, 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 then is almost playing as a wing back so Byrne's got to go with him if that press is going to work but he didn't so then Den Donker just gets the ball with like 10 yards of space so much space Isaac and Gordon have wasted their energy pressing we're running chasing shadows and they just get out for free and it was just the whole system wasn't working and i want to talk about gordon a bit because well we'll, we'll, we'll come on to him <laughs> okay okay there's probably some more things to about Byrne. Fair enough. Okay. <laughs> come back to me on uh, on gordon i think the only thing i'd add on dan Byrne is that yes he had a poor game yesterday but he's a center half yes, he's not yes. a left back he's a center half he's always oh, he has been he, by trade he's been a center half i know he had a spell under brighton where he was a left back and on the whole, I would say for 75% of this season that he's played left back, there's been barely any problems. There's a reason why we've conceded the least amount of goals this season as a team, which, let's be honest, Newcastle United conceded goals for fun throughout the Premier League era. It doesn't matter who the manager was. Now we're, it's, 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 it's nice that we've got this record, and I hope it stays like this from now to the end of the season, which will be, which will be difficult. However, he is a centre-half, a playing left back. Now, when you've got some incredibly good wingers coming up against you, it's a massive, massive test. Now, we haven't got... My target's obviously had had his injuries, and let's be honest, is he is he the long-term solution? Probably not, unless he does something incredible. So, essentially, can we just get from now to the end of the season and then reevaluate? And I'm sure we can, because, let's be honest, 
Yes, Dan Burns had some poor performances of recent of recent time. He has had a good season. I think we need to remember that. I would be absolutely fine with Dan Burns starting against Spurs next week. I would be, because I think at home it's slightly different. But attacking-wise, he just doesn't offer you anything. He will do the run for the overlap, but he'll always cut back and he won't. It's very rare he puts a cross in. But can that be trained in a, in, in a week's time? Probably. Possibly. Who knows? <laughs> but yeah, that I, I, I agree with Charlotte. We've got to go out and get a proper, proper left back. And we, look at we'll, look at the comparison. Moreno for Aston Villa last, yesterday. He's only been at the club for a couple of months and he looked head and shoulders against Dan Byrne, which isn't difficult in terms of the um, what I've been talking about just there. Very interesting points. And, and, and you do raise a really good point, Johnny. It always has to be said that one bad game for a player, you know, we are not the team. Eddie Howe is not the manager to, to crucify lads on the back of one bad game. And, and, and Byrne was not the only one to have a bad game yesterday. So why, why would it fall on him in particular? However... The point you make that I'm most interested in, with Dan Byrne at left back, you sacrifice something. You sacrifice a, a 90 minutes overlapping left back who can, um, in himself, bring about an attacking threat to a team. He does do bits and bobs, particularly kind of second halves, getting forward, but predominantly he doesn't. And you, you sacrifice that for defensive solidity. And when you don't get the defensive solidity, it's actually probably too much, in my opinion, to sacrifice. Now, like you said, is Matt Target the answer? You kind of, if you bring in Matt Target, it doesn't work. Where then? Yeah. That that's how managers think. I believe I could be wrong, but I think if you know, it's not as easy as just dropping a player for one other player. Because if it doesn't work, then you you have to bring back a player who you've said your performance haven't been good enough, and then bring them back in to almost repeat those performances not good enough. What I would say is teams, as the season has gone on, and this is normal for lots of teams, teams are, are trying to work Newcastle out. Mm. They've been hard to beat. Villa yesterday, get the ball wide, get the to challenge the fullbacks, get the ball in early. Newcastle aren't great at heading the ball out of the box. That, that's what I'm picking up, okay? They're also realising two things about Dan Byrne. Run him. Run him down the line. Your fast winger, whether it's Jared Bowen, whether it's Saka, whether it's Ramsey yesterday, run him down the line um, and and you will get success. He's not going to catch you. He's not going to foul you. Uh, Joe Linton, who'd been playing left mid, centre mid for a lot of the season, or Joe Willock have, have helped him, particularly in home games. Mm. But away from home, if you can isolate him and if you can beat the press, you are going to get joy. And teams, that this is happening game after game after game. And we don't seem to have an answer. Byrne doesn't seem to have an answer. How doesn't seem to have an answer. In addition, press Dan Byrne on the ball. Leave Sven Botman. Leave Fabian Shaw. Even if Fabian Shaw steps into midfield like he does, teams tend to, to kind of leave him. You don't leave Dan Byrne. And that first goal yesterday wasn't Dan Byrne's fault. But he gets caught doing a Cruyff turn in his own half at nil nil after Newcastle started badly. Not good enough. That that's not that's not good enough. He'll know that. Everyone will know that. Players make mistakes. That's a shocking thing to do, in my opinion. You've got to protect the ball. You've got you've got to hold on to possession and, and trying to do some stupid Cruyff turn, losing possession of that, and kind of forty seconds later the ball being in the back of the net. Although that the other players could and should have done much better. One of those players was Dan Byrne because when that cross comes in, again, he doesn't really try and stop it. Him and Joe Linton are there. Neither of them stop that cross. Newcastle are bad at stopping crosses. They are. Mm. Um, and it was a really disappointing goal to concede. Yet Fabian Shaw should have gone for the header. Should have been after Kieran Trippier. Someone should have tracked the midfield run of rap. There's loads of things other than Dan Byrne. Mm. But, it, but he will play against Spurs. Newcastle have to come up with a, an answer to some of these questions because yesterday it seemed like they'd learned nothing from the first half at Brentford. Dan Gorn, sorry. Dan Gordon, Dan Gordon. Yeah, Dan Gordon. our left-hand side, Dan Gordon. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, actually, you're right on on that first gun. Particular, I was really frustrated watching back the, uh, the 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 highlights and seeing how none of the midfielders came with uh, with Ramsey. He just just sauntered into the box, un unattended. Uh, Trippier and Cher both go for the ball. Maybe they shouldn't have done that, but none of the midfielders are anywhere near Ramsey, and he just walks into the box and scores. Uh, but yeah, uh, I, I I was all in favour of, uh, of Anthony Gordon starting the game yesterday. You know, it was, it was nice to see him get get on the on the starting lineup. Um, I was surprised to see him on the left because he's he's played quite well on the right in recent weeks and he, you know, that's how how plays. But equally, with, with Maximan's injured, we've got basically three attacking players who can play on the right and none who can play on the left. So Gordon was probably the best choice for it. Um, he's played there for Everton and he has played a couple of times for us there. Um, it just didn't work. It didn't work at all. He, he couldn't get into the game. 37-year-old Ashley Young had him in his pocket, as you say, Johnny. But more than that, at times he wanted him to get down to that get down to the byline uh, and go outside of him because it surely th- Ashley Young's a very fit man. He's, he's the fact he's still playing at this level um, at 37 is, is a testament to him, but you thought Anthony Gordon could give him something to, to deal with. But all he did was show him inside every time. And Gordon would just have to cut inside, run into a load of Aston Villa midfielders and lay the ball back to center halves. And it was just really frustrating but, to watch. But is, is that so? I totally agree with you. Is that because normally if you show him inside, you've got to worry about the overlap and fullback on the outside. And there just wasn't one. Is that why you're afraid of it as a Dan Gordon situation? <laughs> you're probably right. There is definitely an element of that. But I, I just thought um, I thought we'd see more from Gordon, um, mm. especially given his uh, behavior last week of, of being uh, subbed off. And it's just kind of like, come on, mate, Like this is your chance. And he, it, I, I, I don't want to get at him because, again, it was, it was a tough game for everybody and nobody played well. But that experiment didn't seem to work. And I was a bit worried about where, where, where do you go with Anthony Gordon from here? It, it's an interesting one, Anthony Gordon, because he's played eight games for Newcastle. And probably six, well, five out of those games have probably been off, off the bench. And the two games that he probably that he has started for Newcastle was Man City away and and inform Aston Villa away. Yeah. They're difficult games, really, really difficult games. And look, even though we have spent a lot of money on him, he's a relatively inexperienced Premier League player. And I think we have to try and remember. That. I think we've got to be patient with him. Now, was this the game from no? But I don't think this was the game for Jacob Murphy either. I have to be honest. I thought Jake, uh, Jacob Murphy should not have started that game yesterday. And I do think Eddie Howe got that one massively wrong. I just thought it was the wrong game for him. But if Miggy Almiron wasn't fit to play 70 minutes, what else could he have done? Well, could he have played Wilson and sort of switched it around a little bit? Again, I'm, I'm, I'm putting a few different situations out there. But yeah, Gordon wasn't good yesterday. And Sai was right. You can't really single him out because... Everyone was poor yesterday. There was no one that was, maybe Nick Pope you could say was good because he made some big saves and it might have been five, it could have been five or six without him. But no, I'm, I'm not worried about Gordon, even even if we don't see massive improvements from that at the end of the season. Let's give him a pre-season, let's give him a summer. Mm. He's going to have better players around him. He's going to have to fight for his place. He's going to have to really prove his worth of being in this Newcastle United starting eleven. But at, the, at this moment in time, I'm struggling to go, into the Spurs game going who is definitely going to be on the left and who is definitely going to be on the right because at the minute I don't think Eddie Howe knows at this moment in time. It's a really interesting point that you make there that we probably have as unsettled a team in terms of selection than we've had at any point in the season. Mm. However, uh, again we talked about this in the Patreon preview, I believe Alison Maximin is a massive miss. Mm. He's a massive miss and Yes, it was only two games against Spurs and West Ham that he played, and he played really well. But it was it was such the level the level of performance was such that you kind of thought this is it. He gets it. He's an Eddie Howe player. He can do it. He can contribute both ends of the pitch. And to lose him, we don't know how how long for, but to lose him 
has created these problems that we didn't have a quick answer to. Because if he's fit, he, he plays, in my mm. opinion. Uh, Sean Longstaff was ill, so people, yeah. I assumed he'd been dropped after being hauled off at halftime against Brentford. But it, Eddie House says he wasn't dropped. It was wasn't fit to start, like like Mick Yeah. So it, it's interesting what happens against Spurs next week and what Newcastle do because one of the things well, I think a lot of people, myself included, assumed how would just go Willock Joe Linton, you know, uh, Willock's midfield Joe Linton further forward as he did earlier the season. One issue with that is a bit it's a bit predictable. There's a lack of trickery. There's maybe a lack of pace, but there is what there is is defensive cover, is solidity, is you're not going to get rinsed down that side. And we just look wide open down that side. We look wide open down both sides, and that's because Villa are playing with wingers who at times hug the touchline to beat the press, and that there was an easy ball over the top. We just, I come back to it, yesterday at least we didn't have the answers. Now, we've had answers nearly all season. And I suppose when I think about what happened to Newcastle yesterday, because 3-0 is actually kind on Newcastle, which is a, a bit of a pill to swallow, considering how hard we've been to beat, you know, I think about Arsenal and, and, and other good teams. Have they had similar defeats? Well, Arsenal went and got beat up at Old Trafford 3-1 earlier this season. And look at them now. Man City, in theory, got beat up by us for an hour and and, and, and were fine. So it does happen to good teams and, do, and good teams do come back. But there are definite questions there that Newcastle need to find answers to for next week. And you want to talk about um, Sven Botman? I do want to talk about Sven Botman because... I think he's been brilliant this season. I think there's, there's, an, there's an argument that he's been player of the season for Newcastle. Whether you'll get that or not, I'm not too sure, but there is, he's certainly in the discussion. However, his form at the minute is slightly concerning. He was all over the place yesterday. Him and Fabian Chair, I'm not just singling out Botman in regards to that, but Watkins, Watkins had him on string. He really, really did. And I think that the most concerning part of Sven Botman even though Watkins had the better of him, is that even when he had the ball yesterday, there was one there was one pass in particular, I think it was in the second half. And I remember Sean Longstaff just looking going, What are you doing? Like he just literally played it to this I think it was the I think it was Moreno. And it wasn't even anywhere near our right wing at the time. And I just thought, wow, this he's, he's just not having it's just it's just not been his game. But I thought he was really poor against Brentford in the first half. And I think he had a better second half, but he was really all over the place um against Brentford. West Ham again giving the ball away in sloppy, sloppy areas of the football pitch. It is a slight, slight concern I have with Sven Botman right now. I wouldn't drop him by any stretch of the imagination. I wouldn't do that. But I just think he just needs to go back to basics and go back to what he was doing at the start at the start of the season. And you were quite right, Alex, to mention at the top of the podcast, it's Harry Kane next week who, let's be honest, is probably the best all-round Premier League striker in terms of what he can provide for, for a football team. Obviously, Haaland's been brilliant in the amount of goals he's scored. But if you're talking about an all-round Premier League striker, you want Harry Kane in your team. And this is probably one of his biggest tests because it's probably, on paper, the biggest Premier League game for Newcastle in God knows how many years because of the significance of it. Yeah, that's saying And, and the, the positive thing about playing badly is you get a chance to put it right next week and there isn't like you say Johnny a better striker to prove yourself against than Harry Kane and, and if him and Shaw keep a clean sheet next week or they keep Kane out then you can say those questions have been answered and we're back to where we have been all season and to be fair to Sven Botman I think he had a, he had a great game against Kane at their place in, in one of the big wins of the season so that that bodes well but again I'll say it crosses into the box they, they both just look it, it's not even that you know Sven Botman's a big tall lean hard physical man <laughs> Fabian Shaw's, you know, he, he's got some body on him. If, if we look at the, the photographs of the the, the post match dressing room photos, of the win. So these aren't, you know, these aren't soft men. What I think the issue is with them, more in terms of crosses into the box, is is just an understanding of who's going for what, where does who's track, who's tracking who. There just seems to be a bit of understanding. The first goal is a great example of that. 
and, and, and to be fair, West Ham did this as well, both from set pieces and open play, get the ball deep crosses, deep crosses headed back across. We don't seem to be able to stop across, work out who's going to actually defend the header, and then if we do lose the header, pick up the second ball, whereas other teams can't do that. Mm. So they'll work, you know, we know nothing in reality compared to Eddie Howe, <laughs> compared to people in the game. I'm sure they'll be aware of this. They'll work on this this week in training. Mm. The midfield have to do better. Um, so you want to talk about the midfield. We'll talk about the, mid- the midfield and then finish part two, but you want to talk about that area. Yeah, um, you're right in that that weird kind of aerial thing that's happened for weeks now is that, that there just seems to be panic. It's absolute chaos when when teams and they weren't even like they're not whipping balls in; they're floating them in. It's when the ball's kind of hanging into the into the box that we seem to panic. But yeah, I thought I thought we missed Sean Longstaff yesterday. Now I am the Sean Longstaff fan club, and I acknowledge <laughs> that. But um, I just thought we ended up where Joe Linton and Bruno in particular were basically playing on the edge of our box and they just could not get out of it. Um, and what Longstaff gives you is that he does all that donkey work, he does all the running around the edge of our box. And Joe Linton should, in theory, be able to play five, ten yards a bit further forward where we need him to be able to kind of make some runs and kind of push us forward. Um, I just think we, we all know that the, that the three midfielders selected yesterday are probably our best technical midfielders and everyone was pleased to see that. Um, you know, And Longstaff didn't play well at, uh, at Brentford and was rightly pulled off the pitch but because we needed to we were chasing the game for, for this one i thought we just we just missed the legs we missed a, a player who's going to run an extra three kilometers compared to his teammates and just cover that ground because aston villa were all over us in every part of the pitch and it just felt like every time we had the ball we couldn't find a pass we couldn't find our teammates every time aston villa had the ball they just had players and acres of space and they were just passing it out with ease and Longstaff doesn't let that happen as much uh in in, in my opinion so i thought we missed him I thought the, the, um, Willick, Joe Linton and Bruno are all very good players, but maybe too similar. You need that balance. You need someone like Longstaff who's going to run around and put a few tackles in and 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 just cover way more ground. But maybe I'm maybe I'm being a bit. It, it, obviously, players who aren't in the team play better than when you <laughs> when you lose, don't they? I agree with you, and I also think it's a really weird choice because from how not that I you know. I, I, we don't want to criticize them or anything like that, but you know, I think it's a weird choice because I was reading sort of post game stuff and Bruno's had this ankle injury, which is affecting his mobility against a team like Aston Villa, where we need the most mobile pacey players mm. we can. Um, we have on the pitch. It, it did feel like a really weird choice not to have him start that game to support that sort of midfield. Still Bruno with a bit of an ankle, ankle injury is, is one of our best players. But you you need some pace to support that where he he just doesn't have it right now because he, he physically can't do it. But he, we know he didn't start because of um, illness, though. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, that is true. I know that now. <laughs> so we're definitely not criticizing Eddie. <laughs> no, it's not criticizing Eddie. <laughs> yeah, I'm just sorry. saying we missed him. I'm, no, no, okay. I'm just more Charlotte's point. Uh, no, uh, that's true. I had forgotten that. I knew. I said tonsillitis moments ago, <laughs> and then I immediately forgot. Okay, well, I take it all back. Well, I take it all back. But you could, yes, the point still stands. We needed that pace to support, yeah. to support, and we don't have the other options. One of the things I'd say is, he, I, I agree. <laughs> on on a on a real kind of basic level but then i think we had the exact same issues yesterday against brentford and the solution for how was to hook murphy and longstaff and <laughs> one of the things that that doesn't it doesn't bother me because we're class and we're third at the time of recording and, and i'm still absolutely convinced we'll we'll, we'll have the, the the season of seasons and qualify for this champions league but there there is a bit of a sense where how long can we go on and it hasn't gone on long it's been two games for god's <laughs> sake but where it's like shit everything's terrible two changes either half time or 50 minutes just just feels a little bit well, well it is panicking rightly so because of the performances that we've seen 
but also kind of Longstaff and Murphy. You know, it just in terms of who 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 Newcastle's best players, you'd say Longstaff and Mur- Murphy aren't up there. But then when they don't play, like you guys are saying, it's like, do we actually miss them? And it just it just feels a little bit unsettled. I don't know. Go ahead, Johnny. Uh, that's just, that's all I was just going to add to that is that Sean Longstaff has pretty much played every single game this season. He started every single game this season, and we really really did miss him which just shows it just it just shows it's a massive compliment to him as a player considering when you look where he was 12 months ago where Newcastle fans were debating whether or not he should still be at the club and whether yeah. we should give him a new contract as as, as fans have if we imagine that we were the owners of the football club so it just shows how much we missed him but going back to the argument with Jacob Murphy, Sean Longstaff and hooking them it's one of two things it's Eddie Howe not getting it right beforehand and the poor starts. We've had we've had really poor starts in the last couple of games. Even West Ham, we got away with it massively. It was yeah, two, true. two nil after fifteen minutes. Mm. I was I was sitting next to my friend who was it was at the game and they got how are we two nil up? We could have been one nil down after a minute when mm. Bruno hit the post for for an own goal. So it it just it does show that there is a slight what's the word? There's a slight chink in the armor mm. from the very beginning for Newcastle United, and we really need to sort it out because. You know, we saw with Aston Villa, we got absolutely demolished. And we won't, that won't be the last game we'll do that if we start poorly against teams in the top half fighting for European European places. We'll end it there for part two. A uh, couple more adverts and we're back for part three. The crazy thing about being a good team is that Newcastle actually had a good day yesterday. In terms of the the race for the Champions League, mm. yes, it could have been better. Yes, he could argue missed opportunity because of Spurs' hilarious defeat. But the fact is that we are in no worse a position points-wise and there's a game less to play. And that's nuts because when you're in a relegation zone, you really look at it like that because you're aiming for 36 points. 36 points in the Premier League keeps you up. You've got to get 36 points, maybe 40 points if you want to make absolutely sure. It's been a long, long time in the Premier League since 40 points is required. So yesterday, it's a real strange one for me to get my head around and we'll have a conversation now about it, about yesterday was terrible, but it's almost like the Spurs result because Newcastle weren't, I don't know whether we're favourites, but Villa in the form they're in, uh, with the home form, with, with everything that's going on, it was always, always, always going to be a hard game, if not the hardest game that we had left in terms of difficult away games. Mm-hmm. And actually, the most important result yesterday wasn't what Newcastle did, it was what Spurs did. And Spurs lost a game, that's that's a three-point banker. It's a team in the relegation zone or just outside of it at home. And to concede three and lose in the manner they did, and Newcastle had a good day yesterday. Yeah. That's a serious question. Is it like actually if Newcastle had won and Spurs had won, same situation. If mm. Newcastle got a good draw, played well, and Spurs had won, were a worse situation. But actually, science seems like everything's okay. Yeah, I, I would be, I would have been way more angry uh, by the time I got home last night had I not enjoyed the uh, the Spurs game on the radio. Um, it wasn't just that. Like if, when they when they got their equaliser, I was a bit like, oh man, because that that one point makes a huge difference because we're three points ahead, but we've absolutely got the goal difference. So it's basically mm. like they need two wins. If they draw. It's 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 not that. Um, so the fact that they conceded the late the late winner for Bournemouth was was brilliant. And you're right, Man United have had a load of injuries this week. We've we've had a pretty good week, and you know it's probably the best time to get to get hammered three 0 away from home in terms of the, those results around us. Spurs look like they desperately need to find a manager because it's just not going to work. But the longer they waste faffing on with that, they're probably going to drop more points. And yeah, it's it's really encouraging, and it actually is. I think it's a good time to play them next week. I, I really do. So yeah, I, I, by this morning, by the time I've seen the results and the way the, the weekend shaped out, I, I wasn't too worried. And I think it's a one that we move past quickly. I think that's what Eddie Howe said after the game as well. And 
as long as we're able to do that and focus on our own um, situation and, and improve, we can probably just let this one go without getting too worried about it. I don't think we need to, I don't think we need to worry. I think you're right. It You have to look, you have to contextualize it with the other games, um, uh, with the teams around us. And it went horribly for Spurs, much to our delight yesterday. But I don't think we need to sit here worried. It's, it's yes, there is a concern about the way we start games, but I don't think there are enough teams in it that we're going to play that are going to be able to break us down like Aston Villa did yesterday. There are chinks in the armour, but our management and our coaching staff know that. They know that this is what the focus is now. It's Eddie Howe's words where we won't be that team again. That's our focus. And I, you know, I back them. It's, it's, it's a couple of games. I'm not too worried. I'm trying to talk myself out of it. I still have that kind of Newcastle United fan thing of being a little bit worried, but I, 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 we need more games. We need more games to to sort of put this behind us. I love Bournemouth. <laughs> I absolutely love Bournemouth Football Club. A little bit more than I always have done when that goal in the last minute hit that back of the net in Tottenham. I think you could hear everybody in Birmingham, everybody in Manchester and everybody in Newcastle who were absolutely delighted. You could literally hear a collective get in you beauty <laughs> because it, it was, I, we, I was, I was, I was with a, a few Villa fans after the game and they were delighted because they were going to be within three points of, of Spurs. So from a Newcastle point of view, next week is massive because you win your six clear with a game in hand. And, and the, the goal difference makes yeah, it yeah, effectively yeah. seven clear. It's it's a huge. I still think 70, if Newcastle gets 70 points this season, they will be playing Champions League football next season. At this moment in time, we're on 56 points. We need 14 points from our last eight games. It would be, I, I just can't see Spurs getting 70 points. Aston Villa would have to win every single game to get 71. Yeah. And Man United, That's I'm almost kind of forgetting about Man United if I'm being brutally honest because they've got so many competitions so many injuries yeah god knows what's going to happen with them but it's still very much in our hands it's a big game next week let's go out there next week and actually show yeah we are a champions league team we are going to be hearing that music at st james's park next year because we have the players to do it in this one-off game against spurs it's almost like a champions league playoff if you like against us and spurs i think if spurs lose next week you can just imagine it going oh that's it that's it. We can't catch Newcastle. We can't catch Man United, especially if they win against Nottingham Forest on Sunday. But Spurs will always be Spursy. Simple <laughs> as that. They will always be Spursy. You, we, was anyone really shocked, let's be honest, that they lost to Bournemouth at home? It's Spurs. Now, I, know I haven't really had a chance to look at our social media, and I'm sure it was a bit, a bit wobbly last night after, after our result or yesterday afternoon. But Ben and I, on the way back uh, in the car, had a a national radio station which is is dubious at best where they talk about sports occasionally um <laughs> and the amount of tottenham fans ringing in having a massive meltdown about their club was was a real eye-opener i was like they think they're in an absolute disarray yeah. like their yeah. fans are shitting themselves about the fact that they're just capitulating so that's really encouraging that they come to newcastle in a bit of a mess and yeah we've had a bad result yesterday but we're still class we've just won five on the bounce and we're ahead of them and, and you're right it's a huge psychological thing where if we can get the win that kills them it kills their season if they don't get in the Champions League they're absolutely fucked and that that's that's pressure on them not us that's you know we can probably afford to draw this one I would love to win but we absolutely mustn't lose and it's like yeah I, I think it I didn't realize how for a team that's three points behind us and we're having a really good season they think they're having a, like a disastrous season and it's like 
that's not good. That's not a good place to be as a football club. And then there's people ringing in saying it's Levy's fault. There's people ringing in saying why have they left, um, what's he called, Spallini in charge? Um, they've basically got Harry Kane and nothing else. Like it's that was like music to my ears. Like oh, get in, I, I can't believe we're playing them next week. It was really encouraging. I really think that that those meltdowny sort of uh, calls, etc., and that feeling in the fan base, all it, it translates to what's on the pitch as well. Like the players always know how the fans are feeling, um, and they will know we don't have a manager. Everything's a bit mental. I think we can exploit that next week. Yeah. If you look at Spurs' recent fixtures, uh, they've had Southampton, who are bottom of the league away, Everton, who are in the relegation zone away, Brighton at home with one of the great miracle referee performances, VR performances, <laughs> to get them, never mind a point, but three, and then Bournemouth at home, and they've picked up five points from those four games. Like, that's just, that's that's form for 12th in the league. Really easy fixtures there, apart from Brighton, uh, and they didn't deserve that. So I think we, Newcastle won't get ahead of themselves. I think it'll still be a hard game. I don't think it's going to be a walkover. I think one of you just said it's a Champions League playoff essentially and despite Spurs' disarray being in the Champions League is massive the players know it the, the staff know it the fans know it Spurs will travel up here thinking that if they can do to us what kind of Bournemouth did to them if they can get the win yesterday get the win next week then it's all to play for um, and we're going to have to manage that and I'm sure we will but Newcastle's position is actually incredibly good and the hard work of the previous five hasn't been undone by one bad performance and defeat against a, a good Villa side. I don't want to give Villa credit because I hate them mm-hmm. uh, and I don't have to. So <laughs> ultimately, Newcastle, that's a massive game. I can't wait for it. Sunday, two o'clock. Thanks, Sky, for ruining my weekend just a little bit with that <laughs> kick-off time. But but it's going to be bouncing. It's going to be class. And uh, I think we'll leave it there for today. Sai, one more point. Just Sundays. We're actually doing really well on these Sunday kickoffs. So <laughs> despite them being a really annoying thing in terms of scheduling and, and how we plan our weekends, I'm okay with it because it, I think it's it, we're doing very well on the Sunday kickoffs. And all I was just going to add is that this is where St. James's Park makes a massive difference mm-hmm. because I think even though we got beat yesterday, I think from that Spurs result that when it was full time, every Newcastle fan was like, when do we play Spurs? Right, I can't wait. Let's seven sleeps to go, six sleeps to go, whatever it is now. And you just think, right, we can make the difference and we're going to be the difference that helps Newcastle United get into back into third potentially because Man United haven't, aren't going to be playing next week and we're going to be really in charge of our own destiny of getting into the Champions League. Brilliant. Thanks so much to you three. Thanks to everyone who listens. We'll be back after that Spurs game, same day, same night recording. Uh, we're on Patreon between three and eight pounds a month. If you like what we do, come and join us. We'd massively appreciate it. We've got loads planned this week as always in the build-up to that huge game against Tottenham Hotspur. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>